heading into week four um, of a series um, that, that we've been looking at um, over the last um, little while. And, and, and it's called Greater is the name of the series. And I suppose we, we could have really picked anything to, to speak on in these first four weeks at Mansfield, um, but really felt that God was leading us to speak on the topic of, of greater. Um, I read a book um, a few years back now by a guy called, by the name of Stephen Furtick, who you may or may not know, um, and he wrote this wonderful book called, the same title, called Greater. And so some of the thoughts and inspirations really come from that. He, he looked at, at the life of a prophet in the Old Testament called Elisha. And so we've also been uh, very, in a very similar way looking at, at the life of Elisha over these last few weeks. You see, we were um, meant for more. That's what we believe. We were meant for more than just a mundane life that just is, is, is clocking in and out every day, waking up and going back to sleep, and just leaving a meaning, living a meaningless existence. We believe um, that every single person, whether you're a Christian here today or not, you were made by God with a purpose, and you have a purpose to play in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And so one of the things that, the verse that we've really been looking at as, as kind of our main verse on this series is this, John fourteen twelve It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And obviously that, that, that was Jesus talking. Um, that was him talking about when he was leaving and the fact that the miracles weren't going to stop. The, the amazing things that happened in the life of Jesus were not going to stop. What that isn't saying is that we will be greater than Jesus. But what it is saying is that with God, with the Holy Spirit, we can achieve amazing. We can achieve greater things with Him rather than than Him. And so it's a wonderful and encouraging verse. And, and it's important for us at Arena because our goals are are the following, and you'll see them up on the wall. To know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And you see, we never want to be people who come to know God, we find the freedom that He brings, but then we never move beyond that. We want to also discover our purpose, our unique purpose, and we want to go on to make a difference. And so living a greater life for God is central to everything that we do here um, at Arena. And we believe that's the way church should be. And so just to recap, um, we've looked over the last few weeks. Um, week one, um, recognizing the call of God. I've touched on it already. God has a call on each of our lives. Whether we respond or not, God has created us for a purpose. And so we, we spoke about recognizing and running after the call of God. In week two, Christian shared about the importance of starting small. Because, yes, we believe God has a greater purpose for us, but we also believe we have to start small. We can't expect to just suddenly have, have everything and be everything that we can be. We start with the little we have. And, and we looked at the account of, an, of a widow who just had a little bit of oil, but God used that for, for, for wonderful purposes. And then week three, um, last week, we, we touched on, on the topic of suffering and pain. And the fact that I would not be fair on you if I was to preach a message that the Christian life is the easy life and this is the way to, to unopposed blessing with uh, smooth sailing and the greater life. No, the reality is Christians are the same as anyone else. We have suffering, we have hardship, 
And so we looked at how we, how we deal with that, how we grow with that, and how suffering and hardship doesn't have to, remember we spoke, it doesn't have to be a detour. It can be a landmark on the road to a greater life. And so this week, finally in week four, we, we're just going to be looking at um, Elisha and the man of faith that he was. And we're going to be looking at the topic of, of faith. You see, faith is central to everything we do at Arena. We don't only trust in the bank balance that we can see. We don't only trust in the buildings that we can see. We don't only trust in the people that we can see. But we also trust in the things that we can't see. And the Bible actually says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so what, what is faith? You may be asking that question. You may not understand what exactly faith is. There's a, a verse in the Bible in Hebrews 11.1 1, that, that sums it up so well. And it says this, Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So faith is really believing in something that you maybe can't hold in your hands, you can't tangibly see, but you believe in that it's true. And it's expressed through our faith in God. We're coming up to the Easter season, and Paul touched on it. Next week is, is this wonderful uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, where we celebrate the fact that Jesus died and rose again yeah. uh, on the Sunday. And for us at church, that's a wonderful time of year because we get to celebrate this wonderful occasion. And so as Christians, we believe, um, even though we've never, uh, we didn't see what happened to Jesus thousands of years ago, um, we believe that he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, and he paid the price for our sins. You see, people can only go to heaven if they live a perfect life. And I don't know about you, but I certainly can't hold up my hands and say, I have lived a perfect life. In fact, I think I can say none of us have. But the wonderful thing is that when Jesus lived that perfect life, he took the suffering, he took the pain that we deserved, and he paid the price for it. And so there's an element of faith um, that, that is so central um, to, to what we believe and the reason why we're here on, on a Sunday. But th- there's also a, another element to faith. Um, it's believing that, yes, um, we, 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 saved, we saved by grace through faith, but we also believe that we have faith in a God who not only for our salvation, but we also have faith in a God because he saved us to live the greater life. He saved us to live a life of purpose. And, and so we're going to touch into that aspect of, of faith today in, in the series, again, that we're entitling Greater. And, and we're going to look at a passage in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 15, um, that I just want to look at this morning. It, it's really going back to the beginning of Elisha's time. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Elisha was a prophet, and, and he, was, he was called to succeed Elijah, who you may know uh, have heard the name, but uh, Elisha is probably less commonly known. But this is the moment where he was kind of launching in uh, to follow in the footsteps of, of, of Elijah. So it's going to come up on the screen, or if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that as well. Second Kings chapter 2, 1 through 15. Um, a little bit of a long section of scripture, but if you just uh, go with me on this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, 
The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take away your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him again, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. A little bit of repetition. The same thing happening over and over there. Um, In verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at the distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. And Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha said this, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. So as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, and the chariots of the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Verse 13, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And just, just, that, far, just that far. What a wonderful section of Scripture um, that just tells this wonderful story, obviously, of the transition from, from Elijah to Elisha. And, and to be honest with you, uh, if you've been around church any time, you might have heard a message on this before. And, and there's so many different directions we can take this. There's so much symbolism even in, in this message um, regarding the places that they went to, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan. But really, I just want to make four very simple observations today from this story that, that, that I trust will, will, will be an encouragement to us as we, as we believe that, as, as we try to increase our faith, I suppose, in, in the God that we serve. And so just three, four, four observations that I want to make. And the first one is this, is, is that Elisha had faith when the clock was ticking. You may think, well, where am I going with that? Well, if you read before this, this um, scenario, before this story happened, um, in fact, we covered it in the first week of our series, um, Elisha was, basic, was, was plowing the fields. Um, he, was, he was plowing behind a herd of oxen. 
Um, and, and Elijah came by and threw his mantle upon him and called him and said, come follow me. Uh, really saying, you're going to be the next prophet um, of, of Israel. And, and yet, we read after this happened, um, these very simple one-liner, which says this, Elisha set out to follow Elisha, Elijah and became his attendant. And really, for the next probably five or ten years, we don't read anything of what was happening in the life of Elisha. All he was doing, in fact, we, we read a little further on, all he was doing is really just serving Elijah, just serving um, his, his master, as it were, uh, pouring, pouring water on his hands, and, and just serving him. And, and so from this, this amazing calling that he had to being the next prophet of Israel, um, suddenly he was, he was thrust into really a position of insignificance. And the, the thing that I want to say out of this is that I love the example that Elisha says when even though time was ticking by, even though he had a calling on his life, even though time was passing, he still continued to serve with a servant heart. You see, you see, there's a balance that we have to, have to make. We all have purpose. We all have calling. But it's important that we understand that there's a time for serving and then there's a time for stepping into our calling. You see, the problem is sometimes we, we, we can be on the, the side of, I'm just going to serve. I'm never going to believe God for, for what is going to come for the greater. And we can just be so, so faithful in serving, serving and never really able and ready to step out into what God has for us. But there can be the other side of that as well, where we're just frustrated. Because maybe we think we are, 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 are supposed to be serving God in a certain capacity, but He's just got us in a time of waiting. A time of waiting. And I love Elisha, the example he sets, that he had faith even when time was ticking by. Even when he just had to wait and wait and wait. The, the, we don't know exactly how long, but it was probably five to ten years that he just faithfully served Elijah. I don't know about you, but when the clock is ticking, for me, it's a moment of frustration. I get, I get restless when the clock is ticking. In fact, if you were a fly on the wall in the Robin's house, quite sadly, often on a Sunday morning, but most times when we're going out, um, that's the time of biggest frustration for me because the clock is ticking and nothing is happening. <laughs> Alini's not here to defend herself, so I can just go all out. But the <laughs> clock is ticking and nothing's happening. And it's the hardest thing to do to say, um, to, to have patience. To say, yes, I'm just going to wait, wait, wait. This morning actually was really good. We did, did do well this morning, but other mornings we have some moments of tension. It's hard to wait for the clock and for the time to pass. But Elisha sends us this wonderful example. He shows us this wonderful example that, that yes, we can both be poised and ready to step into what God's wanting us to do, but we can also have the patience to just wait on, on, on God and His timing. The, the, the second thing I want to say from this, just a simple observation, is that Elisha had faith when everyone had something to say. And this is one, if we read that section that, that we've just read, it was, it was almost like repetitive. It was just people talking to him. It was the, 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 the prophets, not in a malicious way, just saying, do you realize Elijah's going to get taken away? 
today. And they said that twice. And he actually said, just, just be quiet. Um, because that could have easily been a discouragement to him, couldn't it? You know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready. Elijah, the guy that I've served, my master is going away. What is that going to mean for me? But he just, he just pushed it to the side. He said, just, just be quiet. He kept his faith. Even Elijah was saying to him, stay here. Stay here. Don't come with me. Just stay here in, in Bethel. Stay here in Gilgal. Stay here in Jericho, wherever it was. But he said, no. I'm not even going to listen. Even the people that have good intentions, I'm not going to listen to them but I'm going to keep my eyes focused on God and what He has told me to do. Because everyone wants to have their say. Opinions are everywhere today, aren't they? Opinions on social media. Opinions, everyone has an opinion. Even our friends and loved ones have an opinion. But it's important that we keep our faith, our focus on God. Now, let me, let me clearly say what, say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we don't take counsel because that's a, that's a good thing to do. It's good to have trusted people that can help us, advise us, ask advice. But what we always do is we hold that up to the Word of God and we hold that up to what we believe God has placed in our heart and what He's called us to do. And we always stick to what God is saying rather than anyone else. So even when everyone has their say, you know, as I was preparing, I was just, again, excuse the, all the examples of our family life, to be honest with you, that takes up a lot of our time at the moment. You know, for those of you that don't know, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a, and a six-month-old or eight-month-old. So our five-year-old, Lucas, is, is such a blessing, such an intelligent boy, such a, you know, a talker. And more recently, he's taken to, whenever Alini and I are having a conversation that is totally not to do with him, he just butts in and he takes a side. It's actually quite funny. Um, sometimes my side, sometimes Alini's side, but he, he puts his little two cents in. So this five-year-old and he's trying to say, Daddy, you were wrong. Mommy's right. And so even, even Lucas has to have his say. Everyone has to say. So many voices, good voices, bad voices, but we need to keep our focus, uh, weigh the words of others and keep our focus on God. Don't let our faith be compromised by the voices that are around us. You know, we, our story, we, we wouldn't have been in Mansfield if we'd listened to all the voices. Um, for those of you that don't know, we just moved here last September, um, and so just new to the town. Um, and, and living up in Scotland, and a, we had a comfortable life. We had, had so many great things going for us, a church that we loved. And, and, and God said, no, I want you to come down to Mansfield a place where at the time we didn't really know too many people. Now we do, and we're settled and we love it. But if we'd listened to all the voices saying, don't move after two weeks after you've just had your baby, the timing's all wrong, wait another year, we wouldn't have been here. But we knew that God's calling, he made it clear to us what his calling was. And so we obeyed. And we should... Take that example from Elisha. But the third thing I want to say is, is that Elisha had faith for a double portion. He asked for a double portion. Now, that's not boldness. That's not arrogance. It's not to think that he thought he was better than everyone else. 
And, and for us as well, it's not to say that when we are asking God for a double portion, we're asking God for greater. We're asking God for amazing things. It's not that we think we're better than, than the church down the road or we're better than anybody else or more meriting of it. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's realizing two things. It's realizing, firstly, the generosity of our God, that He loves to bless us. If you don't know God, let me tell you, He loves to bless us. He loves you. He loves you. Even though you don't know Him, He still loves you, and He loves to bless us. He's a father. I'm a father. In a very simple way, I like to bless my kids, but He's a heavenly father, a perfect father, who loves to bless His children. But it's also recognizing and Elisha recognized this, that he couldn't do it on his own. And to be honest with you, the reason he asked for a double portion is because he saw Israel, the state that it was in. He saw the need of the people. He saw his own uh, insignificance compared with this wonderful man of God, Elijah, that he was following. And he said, God, I I want a double portion. I need a double portion, God. Because that's the only way I can ever do it. That's the only way that I can ever make a difference in the world. We were on the streets of, of, of Mansfield yesterday, very briefly just handing out some flyers for, for our Easter service and, and just, yeah, getting people to know about Arena and what we do. And, and it was wonderful. But as I was standing there and all these people were passing by, I couldn't help but think, God, we need a double portion. We need a double portion. If it's dependent on, on just us sitting here in this room and our own resources and our own strengths, we can't do it. But God, we need a double portion. We, we want to have faith, God, that we can make a difference. It's not even just about getting people into this building so we can look better. God, we want to reach out to the, the poor in the community, those that don't have, have everything they need, those that don't have food on their tables, those that don't have an education that don't have love from parents. God, we need a double portion of just blessing upon us to be able to make a difference in the world. And so the way I see it is really that that is the spirit with which Elisha was asking for that double portion. There's two. It's very similar to another story in, in, in the Bible, King Solomon, where he was asked, if you, have, if you, you could have anything, what would it be? And obviously Solomon, similar to, to Elisha, asked a very good thing, didn't he? He asked for wisdom that he could rule and be king. And so for Elisha, it was asking for that double portion uh, of the spirit of Elijah. But the other thing that um, I want to just say very briefly as we come to a close, um, he had faith to strike the water. We read about when Elijah was taken to heaven that his mantle fell, um, or his cloak fell. They had obviously, this wonderful miracle had happened. He'd struck the water. They'd crossed to the other side of the Jordan. And then he was taken up into heaven. But his cloak fell, almost as a symbolism for the fact that Elisha was taken over. And Elisha had this, this decision to make, this faith decision to make, to take up that mantle. And when he came to the Jordan, there was a group of 50 prophets actually watching uh, from the other side of the Jordan as he had this river ahead of him. And he took off the, the cloak, rolled it up, 
and he struck the water. And obviously, wonderful thing happened. Exactly the same happened for him that it did for Elijah. The, the, the river opened and he walked through on dry land. But what a risk it was at that moment, wasn't it? This was make or break. This was, okay, if this went wrong, that was pretty much it for Elisha. His credibility was gone. People were never going to follow him. They were never going to respect him. If he, this was the moment where it was going to be after all those years of preparation. Is it going to happen? And, and Elisha had the faith to strike the water. And obviously we, we see the wonderful things that happened. You see, for us, to bring it home practically... For us, we spoke in week one about the fact that you've got a calling. And calling is about obedience. It's about saying, yes, God, I'm going to follow you. But this is a moment of faith. It's that moment where God says, okay, you've, called, you've been called, you've obeyed, now you're walking, and now you've got this moment where it's either make or break. It's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. And God says, have faith. You see, that moment for Elisha, it wasn't a moment where the pressure was on him. Not at all. The pressure was on God, wasn't it? He was making that bold statement, that bold action of faith, and God was good enough for it. And for us, as people who who know Jesus, who believe in God, who are called for a purpose, who are are called to live a greater life, There's going to come a moment for every single one of us where God's going to say, are you ready to strike the water? Do you have the faith to strike the water? You might, you stand the risk of looking foolish, but are you going to strike the water and take that step to a life of greater, a life of of greater things for God? Not all easy, not all plain sailing, but definitely greater for God. You see, God doesn't want us to stay in the mundane He doesn't want us to stay in just the ordinary. Let me tell you, my life is not perfect. My life is hardship. But I tell you what, it is exciting. There's lots of challenge. There's lots lots of great things and challenges in my life. And I believe that I'm not special. God has that for each one of us to live a life of purpose. Even if you don't know Him, I'm bold enough to say God knows you. God knows you and He has a life of purpose for you. You see, it's not just about church, but I honestly believe that two things that I was praying about as as I was preparing and just looking through my notes this morning, I believe that two things, home and work for people here today, that God wants to take your work, which has become mundane, and bring it back to life. Whatever that may be, God wants you to recognize that if you're there for a purpose, you're not there just to clock in and clock out, that God's put you there, that you're His spokesperson, that He wants you to have influence, that He wants you to act in a way that you you may not be a leader, but He wants you to be a leader because you're working and you're representing Him. God wants to just move our, our, our work out of the mundane. And if you're in a place of work, any place, You can be God's representative. But the other thing is family. I really felt strongly about this. That some of our families have just got to the, again, to the mundane. Relationships even breaking down and and just almost distance. Just because distance is, is, is easier than the pain of being close. And I just feel like God wants to say, 
He wants to break out of just the mundane in our families as well. That our families can be the place of greatest comfort and joy because God wants to revitalize your family life. That God can even repair the broken relationships. That he can heal the broken relationships too because he is a God of the impossible. Now you you may say, well, Stephen... Um, great, but how do I get faith? Or how do I increase my faith? Because I, I feel so faithless. The wonderful thing is that, and, and I thank God for this, that it's, it, it's not from us. That faith is a gift from God. It's not something we muster up on our own effort, but faith is a gift from God. In fact, there's an account in the Bible, which I'm not going to go into in detail, where a young boy was demon-possessed, And his dad said these words, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. And sometimes we all feel like that. We don't believe, but we want to believe, but we can't believe. Where does it come from? Well, it's a gift from God. And the Bible also says that just a little bit of faith is enough. In fact, faith as big as a mustard seed is is enough to move mountains. Because... Just a little bit of God is enough to do something amazing. A a whole lot of us can achieve very little, but a little bit of God can achieve amazing things. Romans 10 verse 17 says this, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you're a Christian here today, reading the Word of God can build your faith. We've read the story, the account of the life of Elisha, and, and some of it may seem rather far-fetched for you. But let me tell you, the Word of God is true, and it has power. And I testify to that. And I know there's lots of other people that can testify to the power of the Word of God. That as we read it, it builds faith inside of us. That, you know what, we can see mountains moved. We can see greater things happen in our lives and in the lives of our church. And so I'm going to call the band forward just as we, as we come to a close today. Just on that note, um, if, you, if you maybe don't have a regular Bible reading pattern or you, you need some help, please do get on our database, fill out a